You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire. I'm here with my co-host, Mary Clark. You can follow us on Twitter at Mary C. Clark or at Andrew Berkshire. Follow the show at Crosscheck NHL. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So today we've got a pretty exciting show. We've got Matt Henderson from uh, Oilers Twitter, former hockey blogger, big time passionate Oilers fan because we weren't satisfied with just us attacking the Oilers. We wanted to get a fan perspective <laughs> and figure out like what what is the mood in Edmonton after that series sweep. That's coming up after our first segment, which is that the Pittsburgh Penguins are out in the first round again. I think this is the third season in a row where they've been out of the playoffs in the first round unceremoniously. So we're going to talk about that. And then to end the show, we're going to do our pop culture roulette segment. Uh, and we're going to talk about Star Wars. Mary, are you a big Star Wars fan? Oh, yeah. I'm a yeah. big Star Wars fan. I didn't grow up a huge Star Wars fan. I, I've become a bit more of a Star Wars fan through like the TV shows and like especially mm. The Mandalorian. But uh, the movies never quite did it for me. Yeah, interesting. Because um, I grew up a Star Wars fan by proxy because my mom was a big Star Wars fan because she grew up on the original trilogy. Uh, so I had my exposure through there and I've kind of had Star Wars as kind of like a through point in my life. It, I'm not like the biggest, biggest fan. I do enjoy the movies and, you know, the Mandalorian and whatnot. But I don't have, you know, like 50 lightsabers out here in my room or anything. But I do very much enjoy the the franchise as a whole i've you know played a few of the video games you know watch the movies watch the shows like like we were talking about last week or a tuesday i don't do the animated shows because there's a lot to unravel there but i've heard they're all really good yeah they're quite good they're definitely worth checking out if you have the time to invest or are willing to wait a very long time to finish them off because <laughs> there's there's a lot of episodes but uh before we get into it uh we're gonna start off with the pittsburgh penguins um mm-hmm. I, I don't know where to begin here. I mean, I guess I could say I was right, uh, <laughs> but it didn't go the way I expected. Uh, if, if you look at the, if you go to naturalstattrick.com, they have a really handy thing where you can, instead of clicking on a, a game's uh, like report for the analytics, they have a little tab called series report. Mm-hmm. And you can actually look at that and it breaks down the entire series, how it broke out. Oh, sorry, my phone just decided to think it was uh, that I was talking to it so uh, I'm sorry. oh no it's my watch Jeez, I apologize I don't know why that's happening Apple. but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so the Pittsburgh Penguins controlled 59% of the shot attempts in the series at, at even strength 55% of the expected goals 60% of the scoring chances uh, 53% of the high danger scoring chances all at even strength and when you flip to all situations Things don't really change. Uh, they were a little bit better in terms of expected goals in favor of the the Islanders, but overall, they dominated that series. And mm-hmm. Tristan Jerry just did not support them enough. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Tristan Jerry cost them this playoff series. I yeah. think you could you could go to a Pittsburgh fan to a person and be like, "Hey, is this true?" And they're like, "Yes." I think I think it is. Very much known that Tristan Jari's goaltending cost them the series. And 
Um, while I did not say on this podcast that I was going to pick the Islanders because I have known better than to pick against the Penguins in the past, uh, maybe not in the playoffs these past couple of years because, you know, they've had some, like, well, they've had, like, what, three first-round exits since their Stanley Cup final win? So it's yeah. like, yeah, so it's it's been a rocky couple of playoffs for the Penguins after those Cups. Um, but I had, coming into the season, I had been questioning whether Tristan Jari was ready for the Penguins' net. And I think he did serviceable in the regular season, but it's clear that he just did not have it in the playoffs. And the Penguins didn't have a serviceable backup to help him either. They had, what, Casey DeSmith, who also got lit up in one of these games, I think? He wasn't, or like, he... He was injured. Like, there was a reason why they weren't playing him, I think. Um, and then I don't know who their backup was after that. This, they didn't really have anybody who that who could be, like, a stabilizing presence in their back end. It's it's almost, funnily enough, it's almost very much like um, Philadelphia's situation in goaltending this year. So I find a lot of really interesting parallels to that this year because, you know, as you know, Carter Hart did not have a very good season this year and a lot of well, not everything but a lot of the Flyers woes this year can be you know pinned on Carter Hart underperforming and the Flyers goaltending as a whole underperforming because their backup Brian Elliott he can't he, he's fine in like a few games but you can't ride him as the starting goaltender he's just he's not built for that he's too old basically yeah. so there's a lot of very similar things happening here between the Penguins and the Flyers and at the beginning of the season, I was more high on the Flyers than the Penguins goaltending, but it's very clear that they're basically about equal because essentially what happened to the Flyers this year happened to the Penguins in that their goaltender was directly responsible for the loss of some very, very important games and the reason why they did not advance in the playoffs. Yeah, it's funny because I remember like thinking back on when we were previewing the playoffs and we talked about the Penguins and, and what helped them kind of get red hot at the end of the year. And we talked about the one-two punch of Jerry and Casey DeSmith, and like the young goaltenders who'd been pretty strong. And overall in the regular season, their numbers weren't horrid, but you can go back. And if you look game by game, Jerry or Jari, however you uh, <laughs> pronounce it, uh, he just really fell apart as the season went on. It just, things were looking up for the Penguins in terms of the on ice uh, results, but the indicators that would, predict future performance were not good, mm-hmm. right? And, and I mentioned that on the podcast, but I didn't think it was going to be the goaltending that fell out from under them so severely. It, it's funny because, like, you're seeing now some hot takeists in the Pittsburgh market talking about, like, oh, well, you know, you need to upgrade the goaltending, and you can have the cap space to do that by trading Jake Gensel. And it's like, what? No. Why would you trade Jake Gensel? Yeah, the, the consensus around a lot of the Penguins' woes are to run it back, but get a goaltender like yeah and i don't know their Sydney cap crosby, situation uh Sidney crosby also talked uh, i think it was this morning uh that he's extremely confident in the core players on the team so i i think when you have a player like crosby say that publicly your gm is pretty much beholden to be like and, okay we're gonna do this again and, and as somebody who saw ron hextall as gm of the flyers for however many years he's a very very patient dude he doesn't usually mm-hmm. he doesn't make reactionary moves and that's kind of what flyers fans wanted him to do especially at at the end of his tenures to like be more reactionary but if ron hextall is at the helm i think that they are going to be fine. I don't think they're going to make any panic moves, I think. I know that the Penguins media, or at least some of them, were calling for, you know, more toughness, more grit, 
that wasn't going to save them in this series. That really wasn't. Yeah. Unless that toughness and grit can get them however many like goals saved or like shots saved that wins you this series. But that's not going to help you. And I think I, I, I saw like um, um, their head coach, uh, the Penguins head coach, his like exit interviews or like, no, it was the, it was the quotes after the game where like he was fielding questions from reporters um, and they were all talking about toughness and grit. And he really, he was like dancing around the question because he couldn't just throw Jari under the bus. Right. Even though we all knew that's what happened, but he 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 couldn't do that. That's kind of that's not really how hockey culture works. They're all, you know, all about the team, all about the team effort. So he wasn't calling them out, and we're just and it was just so uncomfortable because like we all know what's happening, and these questions about grit are just really like they make no sense. Like we know what happened here, and we know what the Penguins have to improve, and I don't think that they need to blow it up. I. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if they get as much good production from their, like, core players. Because, you know, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are not getting any younger. They're going to be a year older, or however many months older, by the time the season, the next season starts. Yeah, so, Crosby will be 34 entering the next season. So, yeah. can, can I say something mildly controversial? Sure. For the longest time, I think Sidney Crosby took it a little bit easy in the regular season because the Penguins were so good. And then when the playoffs rolled around, he was just beyond phenomenal. Right. And mm -hmm. e even the year after they won their second cup in a row, when they went out in the second round, Crosby had 21 points in 12 games. Right. Mm -hmm. So like they went down fighting mm -hmm. the last three years. Crosby in 14 games has six points. Jeez. Three goals. Yeah. I think the Penguins are at a point right now where they're no longer the like big team to beat in the regular season and that Crosby no longer is able to put it in like fourth out of fifth gear in the regular season and save it for the playoffs. I think by the playoffs, he's become a little bit spent. Now, 14 games is a small sample size, but mm -hmm. Sidney Crosby over three years struggling in the playoffs every year, like, it's I mean, he's pretty he, rough. He's getting old. I mean, we know, yeah. we know this, and we've known that this like drop off was coming for some time. So this may be the start of that drop-off that fear drop-off that penguins fans are know that's coming um and there's really not much you can do about it i mean Sidney crosby says that the team's gonna be ready that th he thinks the core is gonna play well next year but it's a it's a new season next year and i mean i i think we're gonna have the, like the same we're not gonna have like the interdivision stuff i think they're gonna go back to what they had previously so yeah, it's going to be East a longer division had like the least travel of any division this year. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be a longer grind of a season. It's it's yeah, I I don't know. I I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with the core because we know this is coming. And I thought it was going to be this year that the, the core would like not drop off a cliff, but like it would be very well. Like you could tell that they were dropping off. And yeah. clearly in the playoffs, Sidney Crosby's production hasn't been what Penguins fans thought. But I'm not pitting this playoff series on Sidney Crosby. Dude, dude, unless the dude can, you know, play goal for them. Like, yeah, we know we know where the fault lies. And I feel bad for Jari. Like, the, oh, yeah, that's terrible to have to shoulder that burden. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how like it was like the game was the game. The final score was like five, three. So I think. Um, he should have been pulled after the fourth goal. Like they gave up what, like three goals in like less than three minutes or s thereabouts. Like it just got out of control for him. 
And yeah. I, I feel really bad. Like, obviously, I know that it's his job to stop Pox, but he was not put in a situation to succeed here. Um, and I think that's kind of an or- a little bit of an organizational failure and maybe <clears throat> maybe a little bit of a coaching failure, too. Yeah. It, it's it, it's tough because I think as much as uh, the, the Penguins are still a good team, I think this is just something that happens to a team that's no longer at their peak, right? Mm-hmm. And having happening three years in a row and when your two stars have combined for, I think, five goals in three years in the playoffs – it's pretty rough, but yeah, I think this is just something that you kind of have to get used to. And like, maybe the Penguins will break through one of these years uh, and like have a run, but this is not the Penguins of a few, like five years ago where they were the team to beat. Even then really their second cup, the Penguins had already started to decline a little bit and they got really lucky. Yeah. I was uh, going to say luck played a huge factor in yeah, that second cup, which gigantic factor, which, I'm not taking that cup away from the Penguins at all because luck plays a huge factor in, in every the, win. In, yes, in the Stanley Cup and in, in the playoffs, it's an incredible factor. But you're right in that their luck was a major reason why they got as far as they did and won that cup. Plus, of course, their skill. But then, thing as we've seen, things have declined and dropped off a bit um, to the point where they're making continuous first round exits. Um, I, I don't know. I I'm definitely disappointed in the way that they ended the season because they seem to have so much promise at least at least at least as like a whole team their goaltending right. definitely let them down and i think organizationally they were let down just by the fact that they much like the flyers they ran with like they didn't have a reliable backup situation in case the guy that they were putting all their chips in on it, it like imploded um, if the Penguins had some sort of backup goaltending, like I said, I don't know their cap situation that well, so I'm not sure what they would have had to move to make things work. But if they had gotten some sort of more, like anything like more stable that they would have just been able to toss out there instead of either trying Jari, trying to Smith, because it didn't, it clearly did not work here. Right. So I think that's definitely their number one priority and probably, and the goaltending market will probably be, It'll be easier to find somebody in the off season compared to the trade deadline because you don't see goalies often like bigger goalies like often move too much. But I would definitely that would be like my number one priority is to get a backup or even like a one B to Jari's one A. So because I think he has the talent to be a goal uh, to be like the star goaltender for them. It's just also really funny that you know hindsight is what it is. Marc Andre Fleury is you know could very well be a Vesna candidate this year and very likely is. And, you know, still, at least at this point, still in the first rounds leading the Golden Knights to a game seven um, against the Minnesota Wild. And look at how well he's played compared to, you know, Matt Murray, who everybody thought was, you know, the next Marc-Andre Fleury after winning two cups. And now they, you know, traded him away. And now it's, you know, Tristan Jari, who they thought was going to be the next Matt Murray or the next Marc-Andre Fleury. And, but he still has room to grow, I think. But I think they need to get a more stable situation behind him in net because they can't yeah. they can't let this happen again. Like they're, I saw like the prevailing thought among Penguins fans is that they wasted what they thought was a very good team and probably one of the last good years this core is going to have. Yeah, and that that is definitely true. I mean, you only have so many kicks at the can, especially when your stars mm-hmm. are going to be thirty four and thirty five going into next year, and like. 
as amazingly consistent as he's been despite all the injuries and a stroke, how many years left of Chris Letang being great are oh, there? Yeah. Like, he was great. Like He was fantastic this year. Uh, I don't know where he, he gets it from, but uh, he just finds a way to continue to be excellent. Uh, I, again, like Crosby and Malkin, you expect to have longer primes just because mm-hmm. of how great they are. But Latang has been right there with him, and it's tough to to look at that triumvirate and think, you know, like eventually they won't be all great anymore, and yeah. we're we're probably getting there sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Islanders are moving on. We haven't even really talked about them. Uh, they're going to face the Bruins in the next round. To cue into our uh, our talk about Edmonton, Jordan Eberle and Taylor Hall will be facing each other in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how great is that? Yeah, I mean, we love to see we love to see that type of rematch. Um, it does not matter that the players at all whatsoever. I'm I'm sure, but it is it is fun to see, especially because you know the Oilers are out, and you know two of their castaway players are on different teams competing in the second round. Um, yeah, I'm I am looking forward to it. Good on the Islanders for you know taking the you know the mistakes of the Penguins and capitalizing on them because um, they they got outplayed in this series and as as we talked about but they made the best of what they were able to do and they were able to get the shots in on Jari and yeah they were able to exploit their weaknesses and so good on the Islanders so definitely um it's really been fun to see their rise as a playoff like a, a major playoff contender because they've you know advanced to the second round and like multiple times and so good for them um I'm not sure who I would pick between the two yet I mean you know as you know things are still cooling down and I'm not sure when the second round is going to start I think it'll be tough to stop the Bruins though especially if the Islanders are as if they don't control play like if they control play then the same way they controlled play in the Penguin series I think it probably will go the Bruins way but the Islanders have that potential to be a shutdown defensive team yeah. So we'll see if there are any adjustments made. I mean, Barry Trotz is an incredible coach, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if there are adjustments made. But um, I definitely, at least right now, my heart is set on the Bruins. Just you know, just as a, uh, just as you know, we're still thinking about the series, and it's almost, and we're not there yet with the second round. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I expect the Bruins to move on. I, I, I see them now as the favorite in the East. Um, it's funny because. You know, it wasn't long ago, maybe even a less than a month, that I thought the Bruins were going to be a one and done team, and that that trade for Taylor Hall it just changed everything. And Mike Riley's fit in so well. I don't see them having the weaknesses that they had earlier in the year. I I don't see them having the same weaknesses that the Islanders have. And I think they can play defensive hockey as well as the Islanders do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they can score a lot more efficiently. Yeah, uh, they have a lot more firepower. And Tuka Rask. He's not Tristan Jari, man. I know a lot of Boston fans hate him, <laughs> yeah. but he's not Tristan Jari. Yeah. There's very few series where Tuka Rask has been an issue. Yeah, I'm very excited to see this series, though. I mean, I know a lot of people wanted Pittsburgh-Boston, but I think this is going to be very good, and Boston is probably going to be the favorite, and for good reason. I don't know how well if Boston, you know, does get out of the second round and makes it onto whatever they're calling the semifinals of the Stanley Cup uh, this year. I don't know how well they would do compared to other teams across the league, but we'll see. I am interested now that we, now that we know the matchup, I don't know if we, we don't know any of the other matchups yet, uh, just yet for the other teams, but this is the first one that we know of in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, uh, coming up, we're going to talk to Matt Henderson about the Edmonton Oilers. We're going to bring up Hall and Eberle, of course, and uh, a bit of a bombshell quote from Taylor Hall with an interview uh, or in an interview with Emily Kaplan, which I think is going to make a lot of Oilers fans very upset because it's a pointed quote, and I think everyone knows what it really means. But uh, before that, a word from our sponsors. You ever have the experience of you need something for your vehicle and you go down to the to the counter and uh, you try to order it, but they've only got, you know, maybe one or two different uh, brands in stock and they can order something in, but they don't really have what you need and it's really expensive. The fact is that uh, there are so many makes and models of cars now that it is impossible to store enough selection in a storefront for vehicles that you can actually, you know, browse around and get exactly what you want and compare prices. Things need to be ordered in, then you have to wait. So why would you do that when you can go straight over to rockauto.com, use their unique and remarkably easy-to-navigate website, see immediately all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Why would you pay full price at a storefront when you could pay 20% less, 50% less, maybe even more, at rockauto.com? Rock At rockauto.com, both professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers pay the same prices. There's no markup. You're paying the cost that mechanics would pay if they were ordering to fix your vehicle at a shop. Best of all, rockauto.com is a family business, so you're supporting a small company that cares about its customers, not some faceless corporation that's just trying to grift you and you know, take money from the manufacturers as well. This is a place that actually cares. Go to rockauto.com right now on your phone or your your computer and check out their website. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they'll know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car or truck will ever need. rockauto.com Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I am here with Mary Clark, of course, and our special guest who is asked to be introduced as the nicest Oiler fan on Twitter. It's Matt <laughs> Henderson, also known as Archaeolo- Guy. Is that that's, how you the, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Right. Most people just give up and just say Arch, and that's fine. I, I almost <laughs> always screw it up the first time I try to say it out loud. I know how to say it, but I, I just keep on going and say archaeology almost every time. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we brought Matt on because we need an Oilers fan perspective. Uh, Mary and I tore into the Oilers on the last episode, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> I'm I, I sure think... what, whatever you said, I'm sure is totally deserved. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, think I think we so. mentioned I think we mentioned that, too. It's like I think Oilers fans here are in lockstep with us <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are some people who are still, you know. The Pollyanna group their every oh, fan base has them, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's some people that for which the Oilers can do no wrong. And yes. everything happens for a reason. And this is all part of some master plan that old Dutch has kept secret. And, you know, it's just wild. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are a few things we want to hit on with the, the actual series. I think in terms of like what went wrong here, I think from our perspective, the, the, the goalie battle was pretty <clears throat> tilted, but also like the Oilers, I, I think in terms of expected goals, like I was looking at natural hat trick, and in the last episode, they had it very, very heavily tilted towards the Oilers. And, you yep. know, the shot attempts were he- heavily tilted towards the Oilers. 
But in watching the games, it didn't really feel like the Oilers were creating the high level chances that they did in the regular season. Did you find that as well? Uh, yes. In the first two games, for sure. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, we were again haunted by the fact that the Oilers didn't have enough skill past McDavid and Drysaddle. Like, obviously, you put McDavid and Drysaddle on the ice, magic is going to happen. Um, they're going to get chances. They eventually get their points. Um, but as it's been since since the duo was ever put together, if you can keep those two off the score sheet, you, there's a extremely good chance that you've just won that game, right? So yeah. um, the, the Oilers, we knew going in, the Oilers' bottom six was one of the worst for the playoff teams, uh, for any of the playoff teams, and uh, that their their second line wasn't generating enough offense. And sure enough, they go on and lose essentially four one goal games because the first, the first game was, you know, two empty net goals. Yeah. And I think it's easy to look at this series and see three overtime games as well and say that they lost some coin flips and not right. draw too many conclusions from it. But at the same time, I, I think when you have a general manager that says that uh, they're not going to go all in on a season where <laughs> yeah. Connor McDavid is rewriting the record book, it's very fair for fans to be extremely upset. I completely agree with you. And I think we should, even if you acknowledge that, okay, they, they lost a few coin flips in a row. Well, how is there, why are we accepting the fact that this is a coin flip against the Winnipeg Jets? Agreed. Right? Like this is, this is Leon Dreinsidel and Connor McDavid in their prime. And we're leaving it up to coin flips. Like what's going on? Well, this doesn't make any sense. And just like you'd mentioned, um, sort of famously in Edmonton now, uh, Ken Holland had said, well, you can't go for it every year. Well, this is a year where Connor McDavid has done something that no one's done in 25 years. And uh, number two in league scoring is Leon Dreisaitl. And then you had Mike Smith, who is 100 years old and playing <laughs> like he's 25. Right. So he's, he's had one of the best seasons in the last five years for him. So you've got uh, quality goaltending, the best two players in the world offensively anyway. Uh, and uh, Darnell nurse had been playing really well. Uh, he had taken a step forward in, in terms of uh, the quality defending that he's been providing. Uh, you have, um, I mean, all year long, they, they kept hammering, uh, look how great the, the points are coming from, uh, you know, from our, from our blue line, right. We've, we've got, uh, uh Barry who's, you know, led the league in, in points by defensemen. So we're getting all these things that you just sort of check off the, the list that the Oilers are getting. And then the general manager goes, well, we can't go for it every year. Hmm. Well, how about this year? Right. Yeah. Why not? Why not yeah. this year? How, I don't, I don't want every year. But this one seems like a pretty good one to go for it, especially when the Oilers in particular have very clear uh, pieces that are missing. It was very clear that they were missing uh, a top six left winger. And they didn't go for it. They didn't get it. The only person they went for at the deadline was Dmitry Kulikov. And that's a, a great uh, addition. I liked him. He, he was a wonderful replacement for Chris Russell. Anytime that you can put Chris Russell on the bench <laughs> or, or in the press box, I appreciate that personally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then you replace him with a quality defender who's just a, in, you know, an all around can, can just do his job well. 
that's excellent. So we shored that part up, but it didn't fix the real problem, which is depth scoring for the Oilers. And then they go and lose a bunch of one goal games. Well, you know, if you're going to look at it, can one person make a difference on a team? Yeah. In a one goal game, they can. So here we are. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think, the people who always talk about like, Oh, well, if you're not adding, like if you add something, Oh, well, they're not superstars. So they're not going to change the game. Like there's a trickle down effect in hockey where if like you add a competent player and it bumps an incompetent player out and also bumps maybe somebody who's not as good as that player down a peg. So they're not facing as tough competition. Like there's more value added than just the player themselves. Right? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I, I think that in a team like Edmonton, where you see what Ken Holland's done over the last couple of years here and <laughs> I think we, we have to admit it was a tough situation coming in after Chiarelli. He really put him in a, like from a cap perspective, from a assets perspective, you know, losing the hall and Eberly trades drastically mm-hmm. it is, it's a rough thing to start with, but adding depth is the easiest thing to do in this league. Yeah. You have the stars already. Mm-hmm. So, and to me, it's like, you're out of excuses. And we saw, we saw, we saw star players move at the deadline. Boston yeah. got one for a song and a prayer. Yeah, and we're we're gonna hit on that a- after the break. But before before we get into uh, the vacant left winger spot in the top six, I did want to mention one thing with the Oilers in, in this series that I think Oilers fans have been complaining about for a few seasons now. But the Oilers organization probably needs oh. to step up to the plate. <laughs> and we we had Rachel Dory on the podcast last week, and uh, we didn't hit on this, but she tweeted about it. And she sent me a message about it as well that she went through and tracked this series and she counted at least 30 infractions on Connor McDavid in the four games. He didn't draw a single penalty against the Winnipeg Jets in four games. How is that possible playoffs or not? Well, I mean, when you watch the Oilers, you start to, I mean, as long as you have, and you've watched Connor McDavid's careers closely, you start to get used to it, right? Like this is you almost don't expect him to get a call because the NHL has this policy where they want to make things as, as fair for everyone as humanly possible. And it's clearly yes, not fair, fair mm-hmm. that Connor McDavid is so much better than everyone else in the NHL. So it's perfectly fine for you to hook, hold trip, uh, essentially tackle him uh, because otherwise, I mean, I mean, what are you going to do? Just let him score all the time. And that seems to be a perspective held by the officiating, which is insane. Like, I don't know. Imagine in the NFL, if, uh, if the referees and the umpires uh, were just like, Oh, okay, well, Tom Brady's really good. So, I mean, you can probably go ahead and hit him, you know, right in the head. If you want, that's Mm -hmm. fine. It's, it's unfair if we just, you know, let him throw passes to his receivers. Well, effectively that's what's happening in the nhl so it's it's this really sort of uh sick perspective uh that the that league has about you know keeping things fair for for everyone it's interesting you say that though the nfl comparison because i think in the nfl i i don't follow like you know the nfl like as much as some other people do but from my understanding they do stuff like that but in reverse they like they take quarterbacks very seriously and they will penalize you if you even, you know, breathe on them sometimes. I mean, exactly. So it's interesting. You make that comparison when the NFL is doing much like you suggest and like protecting their star moneymaker players by, you know, penalizing teams that, you know, 
you know, even try and toe the line. Like, yeah. and and we're not even being, you know, you know, radical and saying that you shouldn't be allowed to touch Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. We know it's hockey. We we know that that you know these players are going to get hit, uh, and and you know things are going to happen. But at the same time, we're just saying, well, how come we can't, how come we can't just call a penalty when there's a penalty, mm-hmm. right? Like, if if uh, you know Mark Shifley gets hooked, someone's going to raise an arm, and there's going to be two minutes, and they're going to get a power play. But if Connor McDavid gets hooked, they go, well, but you know, we're just trying to keep things fair, mm-hmm. and this is this is totally insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you look at the year that Connor McDavid was having, the fact that he only had one primary point in this series, yeah. I, I think tells a lot. Like, it tells a big story of what was allowed to happen. Yeah. And I don't want to absolve the Oilers entirely of what happened in this series because you have to be able to fight through adversity, but you can't give free reign to hook, hold, and abuse the best player in the game and just neutralize them completely. It, it, yeah. it just makes no sense and it harms the sport. Well, and I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I just don't see what the end game here is for the NHL. Like, okay, so now we've, we've made things fair and, and Connor McDavid has to, you know, earn his, his, you know, his calls or, or whatever, but we're like six years into his career where he's the best player in the world. How is he not earning these calls? How is he not, like, how is it okay <laughs> yeah. for, uh, you know, f- for him to be interfered with constantly to the point where the Hockey Night in Canada crew uh, was even, you know, talking about it and, and brought up four or five different occasions themselves. And this is a group led by Ron McLean, who's, you know, the, the, the biggest referee apologist <laughs> on the planet, right? Like, so if, if he's sitting there pointing out, all these different occasions where you know this should be a penalty and this is wrong. Well, then it should be a penalty and, and it's wrong. And uh, the Jets were allowed to game plan a, a game against the Oilers that isn't legal by the rules of hockey. I mean, it kind of goes back to what like what hockey fans discussed, you know, when the whole Tim Peel thing, like right. that when that incident happened, it's probably a lot of it has to do with like you know, game management and the flow of the game. If they're stopping, like, right. um, if they're stopping the game to call a penalty every time Connor McDavid touches the ice, they're probably like, we don't want to do that. The game will be five hours long. <laughs> exactly. And, and I mean, we're doing them a favor by calling it game management, but any <laughs> other league in the world, that's called illegal match fixing, right? That's, that's just a referee deciding that one team needs a, needs a leg up over the other. That's all that is. That's not, that's not managing anything except the scoreboard. And if you're managing the scoreboard as a referee, then frankly, you're, you shouldn't be in, in the sport and the sport shouldn't allow this to happen. Right. This is, I, think, I think it might be a little a, bit different if say like McDavid was a big diver or right. if the calls or the potential calls were not very obvious, but in game four accidental or not, the Dylan DeMello knee on Connor McDavid, the fact that that wasn't called mm-hmm. the fact that there was no supplemental discipline right. after what, what, are, what exactly, yeah, what exactly yeah. are we doing here against yeah. a superstar who almost had, you know, or who had major knee surgery and had to do some, 
insane rehab on a knee already because he was taken out by Mark Giordano. Uh, right. So like this is, I mean, it's targeted against a part of his body that's already been injured before. This is the superstar of the game, the best player. And uh, this should be, this should be easy for the league. I mean, even a one game suspension just to acknowledge that it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it and- would be kind of funny in a way and probably enraging to Oilers fans to have that one game suspension after being eliminated right? yeah, like yeah. Well, it's, it's true like they finally call something to protect mcdavid and it's once he's already gone yeah yeah exactly so um yeah but as an oiler fan and as you know as one that's followed Connor mcdavid's career uh very closely this isn't even this isn't even at all um shocking anymore that the the mm-hmm. referees and the nhl is is doing this it's wrong and it shouldn't happen um but this is uh, this we is are. the life. This is the life that Connor McDavid will have until someone else is in charge of the NHL's officiating. Do you do you think it would be that uh, it, it behooves the Oilers as an organization to publicly call this out and try to get Absolutely. the NHL to move it forward? Uh, I think that the fact that you've got uh, Ken Holland, who's been you know a, a respected general manager forever and a day, and you know you've hired. Bob Nicholson of team Canada fame uh, to be, you know, the overall, you know, you know, overseer of, of all this. Um, and you're still not getting the respect from officiating. That's, that's crazy. Like why, why did you hire these people if not to have this kind of influence, right? Yeah. How, how are they not pressing all the buttons that they have available to them to make this happen, to, to change the way, uh, calls are being being you know made against their own team and not even to to make it unfair just to make it make sense (laughs) i mean that's all anyone's asking just have it so that uh you know a hook is a hook and interference is is interference or you know at least least one out of yeah at least at least one out of three Mm -hmm. should be should be called not none of them right and you've got all of these uh, older respected people and you can't make this happen. You can't get anything from the league and they're not even saying anything until the series is over. Like Dave Tippett didn't say a word until the series is over. And then he says something to the effect of, I mean, how can you not get a call? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you got to do that right away. You've got to, yeah, this do is the most games understated mentioned. response ever. And it's happening after you've been eliminated. I mean, that should have been in game one. Someone should have said something. Uh, I mean, how, how does this make any sense? I mean, and, and I just, I just don't think that the, the people who are in charge and the people who, you, you know, the Oilers are paying, you know, Ken Holland, $5 million a year uh, to do what, if not to exert as much, you know, influence as he possibly can over these things. Absolutely. Uh, all right, we're going to come back in a second here and we're going to talk about uh, where the Oilers are going in the future and that uh, empty top six left winger role. But first, uh, we, we got to talk about Bet Online. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Maybe you made some big money betting on the Jets in the first round. I know I sure didn't because Mary and I both predicted that the Oilers would finish the Jets off uh, pretty quickly. So a little bit of egg on our face. Maybe don't take our betting advice, but I think we're doing all right on our other predictions so far. Uh, baseball season's also in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online, and you can you know head on over there, 
Pick out your favorite teams, bet on all sorts of props, uh, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, the NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. The NHL second round is going to start sooner than later. I, I think that's going to wrap up in the next couple of days here. So you've got a whole nother round of uh, matchups that you can bet on. Uh, before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and make some money as teams prep to try to compete for the Stanley Cup. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, uh, we're back. Uh, there was a quote from Taylor Hall mm -hmm. in an interview with Emily Kaplan, which I saw, I think actually when you retweeted it to uh, Matt and this is, it was so pointed. Uh, I, I'm going to read the actual quote because it's incredible. Uh, let's see here. It says, because there was a lot of rumors around the time of the trade deadline that Hall essentially told the, the Buffalo Sabres that he would only go to Boston. And, you know, Mary and I took that as uh true and we said like oh you know as bad as the trade was for buffalo you got to forgive him that's another thing we're going to talk about buffalo on another podcast i think <laughs> yeah. but uh, hall says leading up to the deadline there were a couple of teams that were interested i'm not going to say who they were but it, if it would have worked out i would have gone there i wasn't just holding out for boston i was eager to join a playoff team i was eager to join somewhere that had a good culture and where winning was sustainable because I was looking for somewhere I could re-sign, not just the end of, uh, not just the twenty games to end the season. I think we all know who he's mm. talking about here, mm -hmm. and I, I think he's essentially shooting a uh, an arrow across the the league and saying, "Yes, I one hundred percent would have gone to Edmonton to play with Connor McDavid." <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to it's hard not to make that <laughs> to read into the the quote that way. I mean, you have to really, really really hate Taylor Hall to say, no, no, he didn't mean Edmonton <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because I mean, it, it seemed, I mean, it seemed clear at the time the Oilers needed, they needed a left wing uh, who could uh, play away from Connor McDavid, who could uh, transport the puck and create chances on his own and uh, potentially drive a second line um to create, uh, you know, enough offense that the Oilers could then be, you know, consistently coming at teams in waves. And if the Oilers had been able to do that, um, we would, I think, be talking about a very different outcome for, uh, for this playoff series, even though they were swept. Uh, I, I truly believe that, you know, one player of Taylor Hall's caliber would be the difference without question. Uh, for the Oilers going forward and making a, a playoff run of any kind uh, and the result that we ended up with. Yeah, especially I mean, I think, what he's done in Boston. Yeah, I was going to oh say, you look it at really, what happened it, in Boston, it changed it, everything. It really has to sting, like knowing that that's in an alternate future out there somewhere, it could be, you know, Boston with the with the first round sweep and like getting swept out of the first round and the Oilers, you know, taking it in what, five games against the Jets. Yes, Mary, it really does sting. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. I do feel for nice. you. I do. I do feel for you. Don't get me wrong. I just, you know. No, it's it's no, it's absolutely true. I mean, when and um, like you, Andrew, uh, you know, we had taken uh, a lot of us had just taken 
that that inference that he wanted to go to Boston and he made it known that he was only going to go to Boston. And, and we just took that as truth, partially because we wanted to. Yes, right? like, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I can't deny that. Um, I wanted that to be true after the Oilers didn't get him. And now that he's saying, no, that's not true at all. There were other teams that were interested. It just didn't happen. Uh, yeah, that's that's not great, especially for this team and for what it needed. I mean, it's so clearly needed uh, a second line left winger or another top six left winger. Uh, and, you know, the reason for that is, you know, we had uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had played um, a majority of the season at left wing and he was having a, a down year in terms of his even strength offense. Uh, and so I mean, that was clear that he was kind of struggling in that area. Uh, and then, when you'd move him back to center, there's a, a need for another left wing. And that person, you know, for the most part has been Dominic Cahoon in the, you know, for the, for the Oilers, for, um, you know, the other top six left winger, if, when it's not Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, or Leon Dreisaitl, it's Dominic Cahoon. You know, Cahoon had 15 points this year and, you know, just not good enough when you're playing uh, those top six minutes. And, uh, there's Taylor Hall totally available. And, um, you know, what, what did they trade for him? Like thumbtacks and rubber bands, pick, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Second round was, pick. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like used gum and, and uh, some pocket lint. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of pocket lint, maybe some old McDonald's, uh, you know, happy meal toys, like wh- whatever it is that, that the Bruins cobbled together for their package could have been beat, not just by the Oilers, mind you though, like this isn't just Edmonton, but also, I mean, the Leafs chose to go with Nick Foligno instead. Yeah. Um, so there's there's other teams that clearly could have gotten him and should have been able to pay, you know, pay the price to get him and just refuse to do it. And you know, I I think um, Ken Holland was was pressed on not necessarily on Taylor Hall, but he was pressed in his year end uh, uh, you know meeting with the press there. Uh, about being aggressive at the deadline and not supporting this team enough. Uh, and that was done by Ryan Rashog, uh, you know, of TSN. And he asked some, he asked a great question about that. And then uh, it really seemed to send uh, Holland sort of spinning. And I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that press conference, um, but I mean, he basically spent 10 minutes rambling. I mean, at one point, uh, at one point he actually started talking about how many different teams there are at, at each round of the playoffs it starts at 16 and then it goes to eight and then four and then two and then one person wins the championship and all because and, and it's just rambling 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 and all because he was pressed about not being aggressive enough and then and then Rashog followed it up and and doubled down on it and pressed him even harder and I, I swear we had another 10 minutes <laughs> and, and where he Holland was just thrashing in the water trying to make any sense of uh you know his his decisions and none of them do make any sense like this is a team that that had a clear need could have gotten taylor hall apparently refused to go after it and you know that's going to haunt us now it's maddening and you know like i sent out a tweet a couple days ago talking about the oilers essential like refusal to improve their team in 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 aggressive ways and get creative the way that you see teams like, uh, I mean, it's an unfair comparison because we know they're the elitely, like elitely managed teams in the league, but the way that Toronto manages the cap, right. the way that uh, Tampa Bay manages to move things around. Like the Oilers could have picked up Tyler Johnson on waivers. Like 
Any, yeah. Anybody could have. It's a fair, it's a criticism of every team in the NHL. Yeah. I can't believe that was allowed to happen. <laughs> but like you, you could have done that. Yeah. Right. It's not even that they, they didn't get Taylor Hall and they went after, you know, uh, uh, a level C option. You know, they didn't go after any left winger. There was no one they went after to fill that spot. They had a hole. They knew it was there. They didn't even address it a little bit. Not even to get someone who was slightly better than Dominic Cahoon to push Dominic Cahoon down to the third, you know, third line. Like nothing. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, you know, Holland says that uh, or rumors leak that uh, they might try to bring Mike Smith back for two years instead yeah. of one. Yeah. You know, they've, they've really got the goaltending thing wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, after, after, you know, two and a half years of Mike Smith being terrible, I mean, a 900 safe percentage goaltender, uh, clearly at the end of his year, he has an incredible bounce back in a way that, you know, none of us ever predicted. And, and it's found money. And so instead of being like, hey, cool, found money, I'm going to now invest this money into something that could maybe last longer. We're talking about extending him until he's 41. <sighs> what? Craziness. Yeah. What? None yeah. of this makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're seeing the way things are trending and it, it doesn't appear like <laughs> the people in charge of the Oilers know what they're doing or know how to make this team better. Do you think the clock is actually ticking on McDavid's time in Edmonton for real? Or do you think that no. that's just Eastern media that really want it to happen because it's chaos? I think well, that's Eastern. I think it's Eastern media because, you know, that want it because it's chaos. I think, I think it's, you know, reasonable people who look at the situation and go, Oh, well, you know, no normal person would decide to, you know, stay, you know, working and pinning their hopes on an organization that just doesn't get it. Um, but I don't think Connor McDavid is, you know, quote unquote, a normal person. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's been, um, you know, bred to be a, a first overall superstar in the NHL. I think he's uh, been, you know, pushed to be as bland as humanly possible and, you know, non-offensive and believe that uh, he has a duty to his team. And I honestly, truly believe that um, he will be the captain of the Oilers at least through the end of his, you know, current contract because he sees this as his duty. This is his ship to write. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think that he's, he's going to leave. I, I do think that so many other people would be like, no, this situation is trash. And if you can't do better, you know, then this is my one last chance for you. I think there'd be so many people who would be at that stage. Um, And so many people in the NHL who would be at that stage already. Uh, Jack Eichel might be one of them. Uh, I was going to say, I think I compared like this situation to, you know, like a Jack Eichel situation where maybe in a few years when like, it's very possible like, but as you said, Connor McDavid is the I model. Just think he's different, yeah. Yeah, the model TM NHL player in what yeah. like GMs want from. Yeah, like, I a think he like he's. They said this guy is perfect in every way, shape, and form. This is what we want, and I think he lives up to that from their perspective, to maybe his own detriment. Yeah, I was gonna I say because I, I now that you were explaining, he was like, I almost I feel bad. Like, right? He's just kind <laughs> of like bred all. They bred all of the yeah, like. This is, some like, sort of you know, Stockholm situation. Out. Yeah. 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 So but, I'm sorry. Sorry. Connor but McDavid. I mean, from an Oilers fan perspective, I, it's wonderful. And it's wonderful to hear him and dry say, no, this is, this is our team and mm-hmm. we want this and we're going to, to, 
to be better and we're going to come out and we're going to, uh, to win with this group. I think that's great from, from my perspective, but then, you know, there's going to be 31 other markets <laughs> that go, well, this is crazy. Why wouldn't you just want to play for a team uh, that, you know, understands the NHL, you know, in, in the modern sense that, that has an analytics department that, that uh, has pro scouts that aren't 200 years old. Like uh, this team is run by, uh, geriatrics and grifters and uh, you know no one has a clue on what's happening and they're living on their their you know their successes from 20 plus years ago uh, and and that's great for Daryl Cates who's the owner who gets to hire people to be his friends uh, and uh, but it's that's not great if you want to try to win a Stanley Cup this mm-hmm. is yeah. this is a team that's just not doing their best to win every single game because I mean you've got a billionaire owner who could spend untold amounts of money to build uh, the greatest you know support cast for his team that that there is in the league and there's a there's a willingness and a desire to do it and he just I mean from the fan base anyway and there there's nothing there it's we'll just put it all into the hands of of Ken Holland who's was on the verge of retiring uh, and Bob Nicholson, who seems more interested in naming burgers after himself uh, that are <laughs> oh, sold for that. $25 yeah. at, at the stadium. than he is putting together a quality team uh, and, and, you know, well-run organization, but you know, he, so here we are. Yeah. I think the prevailing thing from hockey fans is we want what's best for Connor McDavid and also Oilers fans <laughs> now, because you've been, you have Connor McDavid, you get to see him for, 82 games in like a regular season. Like he's it, yeah. there in your city. Like you got, you guys are so blessed with the and opportunity. It's, it's magic. It's yeah. true. It's magic to get to watch him. It is. Yeah. We it want is. hockey fans want what's best for Oilers fans and McDavid, especially. And it yeah. is just frustrating to watch from the outside. I can only imagine what it's like on the inside. Like you've well, been talking I mean, about, but yeah. I mean, if you're trying to grow the game, I mean, just to, you know, hark back to the uh, point that we were talking about earlier, what better way than to have Connor McDavid, David doing Connor McDavid things in the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, on national television. Uh, and yet they decided, no, we, we'd rather have the Winnipeg Jets, you know, put two men on him and tackle him when he doesn't have the puck instead. Yeah, it, it's maddening. And, you know, I know it probably wouldn't be very funny from your perspective, but I, I saw a thing going around. As unlikely as it is that McDavid would want to move on, it would be extremely sabers to have McDavid be on the market and just nuke Jack Eichel's trade value. No. <laughs> the moment that he's probably going to be traded, it would be pretty, pretty interesting. But uh, yeah. So Matt, w- one last thing from you before we let you go and uh, sure. finish this off. If, if you are in charge right now, oh, yeah. you have the opportunity to get rid of Bob Nicholson, uh, Ken Holland or Dave Tippett, but only one, which Ooh. one are you moving on from? Man. Oh man, do I get to choose who's coming in next, or is it just yes, like yes? It would be uh, your yeah, sure. choice to to bring in the next person. I guess. I mean, oh, that's 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 so unfair because so many people deserve know, right? to be fired, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess at this point, I would um, probably heavily consider uh, Ken Holland, if not just for the fact that. 
Um, I think he lacks a certain amount of creativity. I think he, he lacks perhaps uh, the, the fire in his belly to try to win and to do everything to win right now. Um, uh, I think that uh, he's, he's not aggressive enough that he could be doing things like uh, trying to, to get third-party teams to hold money in trades. He was asked at the deadline whether or not he had tried to do that. He just sort of sort of laughed it off and said, no, <laughs> why, why would try. I do that? <laughs> why, why, why try to get creative and actually work with the cap? Right. So you, uh, the Oilers need someone or a group of people who are willing to be uh, aggressive with the cap. Um, I mean, take a look at what Tampa Bay has done. <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're cheating in front of our eyes. <laughs> they, they've got a $100 million you know, a team that they've somehow managed to fit under an $82 million cap. Uh, and the Oilers don't have anyone in their organization who I think would even try. Uh, and you need someone who's going to be aggressive getting trades, someone who's uh, actually going to um, target people that, that will make a difference. And so far, I haven't seen that at all. Uh, so I guess it would be Ken Holland. But if you were going to ask me, you know, if I could, if I could fire all three of them and replace them with people of my own choosing, I probably would. Yeah, I think that, that that's too obvious of a question. So yeah. I had to do one. I probably would. This this team desperately lacks uh, creativity, aggressiveness, uh, and um, you know a desire to to learn things that they don't yet fully know the answers to, and that's away from the team on the ice, right? So yeah. there there's no there's no analytics department in a team where the city basically created an analytics movement, right? Like fancy stats blew up around the Edmonton Oilers and so many yeah. early uh, Oiler bloggers are now hired by different teams in the league because this team said, no, we don't want any of that. Right. So we don't even have a department that, you know, that rivals anything close to what the top teams are, are doing right now. Uh, we have a general manager who's not interested in doing basic things like finding another team to, to carry cap space uh, so that you can bring in, uh, you know, higher caliber players to fit under your cap. Uh, and we have a coach that's uh, doing crazy things like sitting Dmitry Kulikov in the final game of, of the playoffs uh, as a healthy scratch so that he can play Chris Russell. Or uh, sitting Caleb Jones so he, he never plays a single playoff game in favor of uh, Slater Kukuk, who had been, you know, just gotten back from injury, uh, sat Evan Bouchard uh, and, you know, basically ended Evan Bouchard's time as uh, a, an option on this team because he was on the ice for three shot attempts against and all three went in the back of the net. But it was just three. The entire game, the last game that he played as a regular in the NHL uh, this season, that's what had happened. And so you had a, a coach who looked at that and said, I don't really care about the process. I only care about the the end results. That's it for Evan Bouchard this season. Uh, so I, we've got a bunch of dinosaurs in charge and it's hurting them. And I, I'm not even sure they're interested in fixing the problem because I don't think they see it as a problem. Yeah. And with McDavid and Dreisaitl in the mix and the long, long road that Edmonton has taken to get back to relevance, Edmonton fans deserve better. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Matt, for coming on and giving us the Edmonton fan perspective. We really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck 
for next year. <laughs> yeah, plug your much. stuff before you go if you have anything. Uh, I have nothing. All I, right. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Archaeologuy. Uh, if you can spell that, awesome. Uh, if not, you'll you'll find me getting retweeted by someone because I'm I'm getting uh, you know matter and matter at the Oilers. <laughs> but that's uh, that's where you'll find me, and uh, you know occasionally on podcasts like this. So thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, right. of course. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. You bet. Bye. Feeling a little bit low on energy? Maybe you need a Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors for you to choose from plus some occasional limited time flavors. So there's always worth checking out Built Bar and seeing what's available. You can look at uh, some coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, or salted caramel. There's something for everyone. Built Bar are Built Bars are soft and easy to chew, and they're all covered with delicious chocolate. It's a tasty treat, but at the same time, it's healthy for you. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein. Some have 18. They're only 130 to 180 calories, and they have only 4 or 5 grams of sugar or 4 grams of net carbs. These are healthy treats that can help you lose or maintain weight, and you're going to like them. They're, they're delicious. We hear all the time from our Locked On brothers and sisters around the network about how much they love their Built Bars. Mary and I are chomping at the bit waiting to get our orders it, it is truly a, a revolutionary protein bar. You can't go wrong with Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So, Mary, that, that was a fun interview. Uh, I'm yeah. glad that we continued to talk about the perspective coming out of Edmonton. I think it's... It's worthwhile, and uh, this is a team that maybe isn't the biggest market team, but I think it captures the 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 attention of fans league wide because of Connor McDavid, because of Leon Dreisaitl, mm-hmm. and because they've been so bad for so long. Yeah, same. I'm, I you know, I feel for Oilers fans. It really, you know, sounds incredibly painful that they have such a major star in Connor McDavid and they just haven't been able to pull it together. Also, Leon Dreisaitl too, but like Connor McDavid, man, I, I want him to win so bad. He did. He, he's such a good player. I mean, we saw what he did this year. They, yeah. It just it's such a shame that uh, the Oilers weren't able to capitalize on such a incredible regular season performance from him. Yeah, and I feel like. Uh... Did you watch Stephen A. Smith go in on the Oilers? Yeah, I did. It was fu- I, it was I funny. Love that. Yeah, uh, that's what that's what hockey needs. I think. I mean, even though Stephen A. Smith, you know, isn't going to you know dive into you know the analytics side of it all. Um, no, he's, he's just there to fun. he's yeah he's just there to you know make his hot takes. Uh, you know, do what he usually does with his you know voice because I know he's a very enigmatic person. Uh, that's what he's there to do, and yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing what ESPN and, you know, what everybody else does now that hockey is under their control. And I, that's more of what we need. It may be cringy to some, but Stephen A. Smith is like talking about Conor McDavid. This is a good yeah. thing for the sport. We can't it be is, mad at it's that. It's a great thing for the sport. And I, I really like that he kept on saying, like, you know, if this was another sport, he'd be a lot harsher. Mm-hmm. And it, instead, he was just kind of like wagging his fingers like, come on, mm-hmm. come on, yep. McDavid, come on, Dreisaitl. Yeah. You got to be better. Mm-hmm. And he's not wrong, but uh, 
Let's get into the pop culture roulette segment. Uh, I, I think there was one thing that captured my eye over the last couple of days, and that came out yesterday that J.J. Abrams did an interview. I, mm-hmm. I believe the original one might have been on Collider. I, I'm not sure. But uh, he admitted that there was no overarching plan for the Star Wars sequel series. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no planning ahead whatsoever. They were just flying by the seat of their pants and that it was a big mistake. And uh, duh. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think we we knew that. I think that was um, I think it was very easy to see that yes, it, it was. was a mistake, that there was no plan. Um, I I enjoyed some parts of the sequel trilogy. Mostly, were good. mostly The Force Awakens. I very much loved. I know that people don't like that movie because it is very much a rehash of, you know, A New Hope. But if I'm going to sit down and watch any one of the sequel movies, it's going to be The Force Awakens. Just because it's, you know, it's got fun moments. It's got action moments. And I love the, um, uh, you know, Rey snagging the lightsaber. That's one of, like, the best moments for me that was so fun to watch in the theater for the first time. So, I don't know. I... I've gone back and forth um, with it with my friends um, to the point where I'm kind of just like ambivalent about it all at this point. Like I, of all the of all the movies in that series, The Force Awakens is my favorite for sure. Um, I know people have a lot of feelings, you know, on the Last Jedi. I don't at this point. I'm ambivalent on it. I don't really have any strong feelings one way or another. There were good things in that movie. There were bad things. The cinema, cinematography that was really really good. I will say yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was a gorgeous movie. Uh, so I don't. I'm not as passionate about like that movie. And I enjoyed Rise of Skywalker while I was watching it. Um, oh, I and, did not. <laughs> and I know that's like controversial to some. Uh, but I haven't really thought about that movie since. And I I was a big proponent of you know Ray Skywalker. I don't I. And the reason why is because um, I always wanted, you know, to see a woman take up the Skywalker legacy because, you know, I grew up with, like, you know, Anakin and Luke Skywalker. I was like, woman Skywalker, that'd be great. Pass the torch on. It's perfect. So I was, you know, a proponent of that. I could see, you know, the other sides. And I know a lot of people were really into, you know, Ray being a nobody and stuff like that. I get that, too. That's all valid. But in a way, I indirectly won. So that's kind of what I took out of the last movie, kind of. So I was like, I'll take it and I won't think about that movie other than that, so I, I one thing that really makes me laugh about the end of the Last Jedi is that at the end of the like three trilogies of Star Wars, a Palpatine steals the Skywalker name <laughs> and buries Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber yep. in the sand, which he hates on the <laughs> planet that he hates because yep. they killed his mom and he was a slave there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, did you guys think any of the symbolism through? Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it, clearly they didn't, and it was all rushed, and, you know, there's lots of blame to go around. Uh, about The Force Awakens, I agree with you, it's the best one of the trilogy. I think it has, the like, the most moments that are memorable as well. Yeah. Like, even for someone like me who, like, I watched Star Wars as a kid, it wasn't my favorite. I was more into, like, Marvel and DC, but when they... Even in, like, the first ad for that movie, I remember they brought Han and Chewie back onto the Millennium Falcon, and, yeah. and like... Even me, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. I got goosebumps. Yeah. That was a big deal. It was very cool. The other part of that is that it was such a rehash and so lazy in certain <laughs> areas. Like, I remember when they're talking about the, the, the Star Killer base and they're looking at, like, the hologram of it and, like, look how much bigger it is than the Death Star. And Han Solo was like, don't worry, these things always blow up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's just, there's no tension at mm-hmm. any point. And, like, the only part of it that, 
like actually had a lasting impact was that they killed Han Solo. Yeah. Right. Like I think there was there was something in this series between Kylo and his parents and Ray that could have made something spectacular. Mm-hmm. I but it never came out. I I also really enjoyed uh, the reason why I enjoyed the Force Awakens so much probably is because um, A New Hope was my favorite. Um, Star Wars movie growing up. Hey, same kid. here. So, um, you know, I was like, it's only a good thing that it's you know basically the same. I get, I get the rehash parts. I get it. I under, I, I understand. But to me, like I said, if I'm going to watch one of them, it's going to be that one because it's the most fun. Um, and you know, when I look at that, I think of the possibilities um, that could have been had you know this movie been planned out more. I'm not the biggest fan of Kylo Ren. I was intrigued by his, and it's mostly the fandom's fault that did this. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, sorry guys. I just, I, I'm not seeing it, but there was something, there were th- interesting things there. Interesting parallels to Darth Vader. Inter- there were really cool things that they could have done. And I was not a fan of where they went with it. I, I enjoyed some of his moments in the rise of Skywalker, but overall, n- not most of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, uh, looking back at the force awakens, I'm like, they had this like perfect setup of characters, you know, Ray, Finn and Poe. And they had, they had these like perfect characters and there were arcs that were like, it seems that they were going on and they didn't really go there. And that's, it's definitely disappointing from that end of it all. And it just kind of, I don't want to say it's like game of Thrones. And that like, once that once, you know, rise of Skywalker came out, I just kind of went like, eh, I'm ambivalent on it now. Uh, Cause I do still like the star Wars brand. Um, but it definitely has that same feel of it to me that it, that, you know, that movie, <clears throat> that movie came out and everyone's like, eh, it, eh, and got really mad about it. I just kind of turned to ambivalence though. Cause I don't really spend too much time being angry at media properties because I'm like, there's always another one I can go to that probably won't upset me as much. It's just a it's just a movie series. I'm not going to get too angry over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if the Mandalorian hadn't come out, the Star Wars IP would be in a little bit of trouble. Mm. I, I think you saw that in terms of like the box office for the Han Solo movie. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's it's funny to me that a company as powerful as Disney would approach one of the most powerful and enduring intellectual properties of the century mm-hmm. and just shit it out with no plan. Yeah, <laughs> like, that does, just... that is very surprising considering everything that Disney does seems planned out to a T. It yeah. just doesn't fit with what I what we know of them. So, yeah, I'm not sure what they were thinking there. And don't get me I, wrong, I do either. enjoy I very much enjoy the Disney brand. I'm all about, you know, Disney movies. Kingdom Hearts is my favorite video game series. I'm deep in that Disney stuff. But I don't get what they were doing here. So, no. it, <laughs> so. it was a big mistake. Yeah. It was a huge, huge mistake. And, you know, hopefully they learn from it and they just put Dave Filoni in charge of everything. I was going to say, they might. TV the shows guy. are probably the way to go right now for the yeah. Star Wars brand. That, and I really enjoyed, I don't think, Disney didn't have anything to do with this, but I enjoyed the uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the video game that came out a few years ago now probably a yeah. year and a half ago or so uh that was very good and that might be getting a sequel um so video games you know and tv and you know other alternate media might be the way to go for the star wars brand for a little while um just so things cool off just because you know we know how it was with the prequel trilogy just let things cool off do other things there's tv shows you know video games are a great medium there's um, lots of other avenues. Yeah, comics, yeah. books, but uh, yeah, TV shows is definitely going to be the moneymaker for Star Wars for some time if The Mandalorian is any indication. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, that's all we have for you today, but before we let you go, 
make sure you check out uh, the Locked On Today podcast. Who is the best player in the NBA playoffs so far? Well, you'll find out on the Locked On Today podcast. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. A quick 20 minutes using the experts from all over the Locked On network. You're going to find out everything you need to know about sports. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the A-U-D-A-C-Y. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday.